Hello again, and welcome to episode 153 of STGC for Thursday, June 27th. If you're not aware, Super Deformed Gamescast meets right here each and every Thursday night at 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, where we discuss the latest gaming headlines with a wide variety of panel members and guests. We also do a whole bunch of other stuff as time allows, like a separate show about movies and television, community game streaming, a mental health support show, and a bi-weekly morning show every other Friday. If you've been along for the ride so far, welcome home. And if not, hey, feel free to stick around and maybe throw us a, subscri a subscription. Screwed that one up, didn't I? Every single podcast is archived the next day on our YouTube channel for those who like to watch. And you can find us on all major podcast services for those who like to listen. And without any further ado, how's everybody doing? How are you, John? I'm I'm doing okay, Reb. I'm actually doing okay. You know what? I'm doing a lot better than I was uh, the other day. I had a really bad day with anxiety, but I, I so look forward to my Thursdays with my family here. And it just yeah. you all you all just make me feel so much better about life in general, and I love you all. Uh, after the awesome. exorcism Likewise, of a podcast, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> just cleanse, just burn it all. Yeah, out. yeah, exactly. We um we have a a very cool guest tonight. Um, Caitlin, why don't you introduce yourself to our audience and tell everybody who you are, where they can find you, and a, and a little bit about what you do. Okay, cool. So hi, I'm Caitlin Gallas Rowe. Um, I am a uh, self-proclaimed stupid gay superstar. I uh, run a <laughs> gaming and media website called Your Geeky Gal Pal, which you can find at yourgeekygalpal.com and on all the social medias and Twitch and all that kind of shit uh, at Your Geeky Gal Pal. Um, and then I'm also just a terrible Twitter user generally. And if you want to find me on that, you can find me at CG and 8 Rs outstanding and i'll tell you what i've actually i've listened to your stuff and uh, you are doing excellent work caitlin um well and i think i think the community needs more voices like yours um and i am deeply honored that you are here uh with us on this uh, on this thursday night to talk about video games um especially with uh, especially with pride month closing out um yeah. which is yeah which is something that uh derek we're gonna get into uh, a little later here uh Finger talk about guns. some of that and i i am I'm counting on 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 you and Reb and Kaylin to lead the conversation for that. Um, but first, but first, what is our first topic tonight, everybody? I want to dive right into this because we've got we've got Pride Month to talk about. We've got some questions to answer from the audience. And what are we talking about first, Derek? I believe up first was Activision, John. Was it Activision first? Is that what yes. we're talking about? We wanted Trey to get the one Treyarch specific. Yeah. We wanted to get that one kind of actual newsy story out of the way before we move into um, other territories that are less newsy and more just commentary. All right, so uh, uh, Reb, Reb, do you wanna kick us off with that? Oh God, I didn't open the article, I didn't know I was doing this, okay. Uh, <laughs> no, 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 you know, you know, no, 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 you don't have no, to. No, 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 I already, I already talked about this on one <laughs> podcast this morning. I can probably do it, do this on another one. So uh, the TLDR, if you missed the article, Kotaku came out, um, Kotaku's been doing a lot of really good work lately uh, talking about, uh, going and talking to sources at studios and interviewing folks that are dealing with severe crunch, um, just kind of as a broad topic, but um, each studio has a different story. Uh, Treyarch, Call of Duty, Black Ops 4 apparently had a, kind of a shitty crunch culture, but um, which, you know, we've, we've talked a lot about crunch on this podcast before. It's an important topic. We need to keep talking about it. We're not going to address crunch broadly tonight, but what we want to talk about is the kind of unique part of Treyarch's story, and that's that the people that were interviewed for Kotaku's piece, uh, which again, go read it, Kotaku, they do great work. Um, 
was mostly, uh, at least in that piece, was talked about in terms of the QA department, which was not full-time Treyarch employees. They were folks uh, through a contracting company called Bolt. And the, the main gist of this piece is that these folks felt like they were effectively treated like second-class citizens, people that were not um, actually, like they, they weren't really, they, they weren't legally employees, of course, but like they, they weren't really part of the team. They weren't really developers on the game. Um, ranged everything from little things like having to park in a parking lot far away and make a longer walk than everyone else. So, okay, you know, sometimes that happens. Um, to being told outright, okay, we are having a lunch catered in for everybody, but you guys have to wait an hour and then you can come eat the leftovers when everyone else is done. Or I think the honestly the worst one that I thought was in there was the one where um, because they moved some deadlines um, for the release date for Black Ops 4, they had to do more crunch, which is awful in of itself. But uh, the QA team was working super duper late. They were working late nights. And after a certain point at the end of the day, when a lot of other people had gone home, they would turn off the AC. And so it got hella hot. That is all these, so all these computers, fucked up. Jesus no, all these, so all these computers are running. It's like 90 degrees in the building. And the QA people go to management or whatever. And they say, hey, it's like 90 degrees here at night. It's too hot. Can you please turn the AC on at night? And management ignored them for a while. And then they were like, uh, it's broken. And they're like, no, it's not. It runs during the day. It's not broken. It's fine. Please turn it on. And finally, management, after like, I, I don't quote me on the time amount. Go read the article. Um, I believe it was two months. They finally said, fine, we'll turn it on. And they did, but it only worked like sporadically. So some nights they'd have air conditioning, some nights they wouldn't. Jeez. And so it's oh. just, there are many, many such stories in that article. Again, go read it. But I, I think... I think QA in general, we see in a lot of these crunch articles, we see a lot of mention. I mean, this whole article was mainly about the QA department, um, but we see a lot of articles that at least mention QA having a really rough time. Uh, they're very often contractors. They're very often people. Um, I, do, I don't want this to come across as an insult. It's absolutely not. They're usually people with less experience in game mm -hmm. development, right? Like yeah. it's it's very often, not always, but it's very often um, an entry level kind of thing. Like you get into QA, exactly. um, but there's also super high turnover because of conditions like this, because uh, studios feel that they can treat their QA folks, you know, like this. And they just, they just burn them out and run them through and pick up some more folks who are bright eyed and eager to get to the gaming industry. And then they show up and they burn out and we just keep kicking them out. And I mean, I have a lot of opinions about this. Um, it it very much seems like this is one of the things that's perpetuating the problem of not having a ton of upper level skilled labor in the gaming industry because people just keep burning out so fast. You don't have a ton of experienced QA people. You don't want to hire experienced QA people because you have to pay them more and you don't want to pay them more. You want to pay them shit. Like I think these people are getting like $13 an hour in California. Good Lord. Um, and they're, uh, so, so, so there's not experienced people to do this. And so as a result, you know, they get up on these deadlines, they're having to crunch, they're not sleeping well, they're working long hours, they have a very limited amount of time to get to all these bugs, and they don't have a ton of experience. And so as a result, the bugs don't get dealt with, the game ends up buggy, people end up complaining, they yep. have to push more patches, vicious cycle perpetuates itself, it's garbage, people get treated like garbage, it's not okay. I don't know what we do about it. We keep talking about it, certainly. Um, but anyway, that's, that's the Treyarch thing. In a well, you know, whenever I hear, whenever, whenever <laughs> no, Reb, you, Reb, you killed it. That you was are allowed to breathe, Reb. Yeah, <laughs> take a breath, Reb. You take know, drink. whenever I hear a story like this, and I don't know about the rest of you, but whenever I hear a story like this, it fucking amazes me that we have a gaming industry at all. Um, because whenever I hear a story like this, I'm like, how in God's name is this at all sustainable? It just, it doesn't seem like it at all, does it? There are enough bright-eyed and bushy-tailed young people who want to get into the, There's so many. Like, how many people... Uh, I, this is not me calling you old. You're older than me. 
Um, when I was when I was growing up, I'm in an age where when I was a young enough teenager that we weren't having serious career ambitions. So we weren't thinking about, oh, where do I want to go to college? But old enough to start thinking, what do I want to be when I grow up? A lot of my peers were playing video games. A lot of them were thinking, I want to make video games when I grow up. Like they were really excited yeah. about it. Now, granted, most of the people who said that did not go on to make. Video That's what games. my son wants to do right, right. now. Right? He's like, I want to make video games, and I'm like, <laughs> Do you now? <laughs> like, I'm sure. Well, you son, do. <laughs> son, um, it's good to dream. Right. But that's, I mean, that's like a thing. So there's a lot of people who grow up playing video games who want to go make video games in a very, one of the, there are multiple routes to get into making video games, but one of the, I don't want to say easier ones. I think one of the more accessible ones, because there do seem to be more jobs for it for this very reason is to go into QA. Right. And so they go in, they do it for, I don't know, a year, maybe two. I don't know what the burnout rate is. It, It seems pretty high. Um, and then they leave and go do something else like unionize. It's time, <laughs> well, unionize. Everybody, they they're not there. look, they just look, leave. look, uh, look, I want to I want to make it very clear to everybody in chat and everybody who's going to listen to this later on Spotify and SoundCloud. If you really want a career in games design, everybody knows go enroll at Collins College and they will absolutely <laughs> teach you to tighten up the graphics on level, it's on three, level three. Exactly. A it is. If you can do that, fun. that's I mean, what like, this industry is missing. And then you'll 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 go to the bathroom and stare in the mirror for a few seconds and think to yourself, I can't believe I get paid to do this. It's it's really a wonderful experience in the in in the in the game industry. Is that place still around, Collins College? I do try they, not. Probably not. Do they, but do they actually still exist? Probably not. I'm not about fucking, to Google it. I remember <laughs> I like you know talking about game development. You, you know the the predatory nature because Reb Reb makes a very a very good point, right? Like. There are a lot of bright-eyed people, young people who are like, you know, I grew up playing games. I would love to create. I would love to 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 be involved in this industry. I would love to help create the things that I grew up that with that that have helped that have helped shape me. Um, and there's so much predatory bullshit out there. Not just not just bullshit like Collins College. Like the place probably doesn't even exist anymore. But this is an industry that comes across to me as extremely unforgiving, and just absolutely fucking merciless at times. Like I've, I've been a contractor before, right? Like in, in my line of work and, you know, being a contractor anywhere isn't fun. You're generally regarded as a second class citizen. Um, when I was a contractor, we weren't allowed to bring in pictures of our family. Uh, you weren't allowed to personalize your workspace. <laughs> yeah. It yeah, was that's true at my job currently. Exactly. Oh, really? Are you really? Yeah. Like I'm not a contractor, but a lot of the folks who, I work for a telecom company and they just brought on a bunch of t- contractors and yeah, they were just talking about it yesterday, how like they're not allowed to personalize their workspaces or anything like that. Yeah. There, there can be no individuality whatsoever. When we came on, when we came on board, we were told literally by the program, by, you know, our program manager, he was like, you're all bottom feeders and you can be easily replaced. Never wow. forget that. Yeah. Whoa. And I was like, the United States has fucked up ideas about work and how people should do it. Holy Pretty shit. Much, yeah. Wow, it's almost like Reb is making a really good point about this. And God. millennials, and millennials have been guilt tripped by the older generations into believing oh that we will be God. seen as lazy unless we literally go in while we're dying and never use a sick day. Like, yes, unbelievable. And let, yes, and let me throw this in here too. So all these things are already happening, all these shitty crunch things. On top of that, you've got, you know, maybe there are some women in this group of people. Maybe there are some LGBTQ people in this group of people. Maybe there's some people of color in this group and they because we know the gaming industry are probably also experiencing something like sexism or racism mm-hmm. or harassment on top of that in and the gaming that, industry you sound like you're a conspiracy theorist 
Oh, I do. <laughs> You've got I the said, Pepe oh. Silva backboard. Reb, <laughs> not... drives them out faster, and so that Reb, means not that in people my... cling on and remain are often white dudes. And surely you're not speaking of my this... video game industry, Reb. You, you, you are do not. not... Some great cis white dudes on this podcast, man. But there's there's so many of you in the industry, and a lot Somebody... fewer of other folks. You do not have to say nice things about me to talk shit on white dudes. It's fine. We (laughs) we suck. Like white people need to be stopped. We're fucking. I I don't know. Like, did you guys see that fucking cold hot dog pie that was circulating on Twitter? That's that's proof that fucking that that white people need to be stopped at all costs. Say white people are trash, but I get banned from Twitter while Nazis roam free. So yeah, what are you gonna do? Hey, dude, I got banned for shitting on Robert E. Lee. You're preaching to the fucking choir. You got banned for harassing a dead civil. I harassed a dead. I, ha- I harassed a dead. I harassed a dead slaver, and I got banned from Twitter. Um, fucking unbelievable. Right. No, it's it's. I mean, it's you know, I'm glad that I'm glad that uh, that organizations like Kotaku are helping shine a light in the darkness because we desperately need it. At the same time, at this point. Honestly, everybody, we've heard so many horror stories like this that I don't have any real hope that things are going to change. No, um, stop it why, right now. No, no I, I no, do. I hope they do, but... Here's I, why. Here's why. We have already... This is... I'm, I'm going to preface this. This is obviously nowhere near good enough. This is not actual change. This is not representative of the fact that the industry has magically fixed itself. We got to keep going, but... Um, my editor routinely does a column uh, called 10 years ago today. And he goes back and he looks at the articles from 10 years ago and he, you know, comments on what, you know, the industry was doing. He looks at comments from CEOs and he's like, oh, ha ha. They said that. No, they did the exact opposite thing. It's a very good column. Go read it. Gamesindustry.biz. We're a great website. Anyway, not the point. Um, you look back at the columns 10 years ago. No one's fucking talking about unions. No one's fucking talking about crunch. No one's, no one's saying a word. They're not saying it's great. It's just silent. Oh, it sure as hell was happening 10 years ago. We weren't talking about it. Now we have, we're going oh, to, we're going to these 10 years ago was the Rockstar Wives, wasn't it? With Red Dead Redemption? It was, but. Ooh, yeah. And yeah, then before so that's that, you had the EA one about five years before that. But I mean, that's fair. But now we have people too. going to, sorry, sorry. No, you're good. Go. Now we have people going, you know, we have journalists going to events and asking CEOs about it and CEOs are kind of answering. They're, it's not, they're not great answers. They're mostly PR answers, but they're starting to talk about it. We've had a lot of articles come out in the last, uh, God, even the last month, I, I'm speaking out of my ass right now, but I think the Destiny 2 folks, uh, like Bungie just recently said, sorry, we got to delay a patch or something because we don't want to crunch. Nintendo pushed uh animal crossing forward because they're like we don't want to crunch oh and you've seen the fucking you've seen the responses too i know and fuck them but the the conversation (laughs) is happening and that's how it starts right with with a conversation we're talking about it it's not gonna get fixed overnight but we gotta keep the momentum going we cannot give up hope a conversation is miles better than what we were doing 10 years ago y'all fucking reb is fired the fuck up and i am here for every second of it because i believe in hope well so the thing the thing about it too is like i the conversation is great, obviously, but like we talked to Emma from Game Workers Unite over on our podcast on Palin Around, and we were kind of asking, you know, like what else can we do? Because, you know, my site has written about it. Obviously, bigger, more prominent sites are writing about it. People are talking about it. People are podcasting about it, but it's like that doesn't feel like enough. And she basically flat out told us, like, this is kind of a game dev thing now. Like, they have to be the ones to do it for themselves because, like, they're the ones who are suffering and, like, that's how collective bargaining works is, like, they have to be the ones to come together and do it, which, I mean, obviously is a whole thing in and of itself, but, like, 
I believe in hope too, but I'm like, it's, it's kind of on them now. Like they we're opening the door with the conversations and stuff, but they got to be the ones to walk through it. It is. I agree with you. And also I, I, again, I feel like I'm talking in my ass cause I don't have the articles right in front of me, but I believe we have, at least on our site, we've published stories over the last couple of years, surveying uh, opinions about unions that things like GDC from developers. Too, yeah. I have not done that work personally. My well, I'm, I'm talking just in general. Yeah. Um, but my, I believe that this year, the favorability of developers towards unions that were surveyed was, was more on the side of unions. Like the number of people who are aware of unions, aware of how they can benefit them, and maybe considering that it might be a good idea to have one is increasing. It's not at a point, we're, we're not at the point yet where one's just going to pop up tomorrow. Um, but, and there already are some, there's the French uh, game developers union that's been around for, I think, a couple of years. So again, it's, we're not there yet, but it is starting. And that's why I think it's worth continuing. Like we can't, we can't just stop talking about it. Yeah, you're right. It's on the, it's on the developers now, but if we stop talking about it, that kills some of the momentum and we got to keep yeah, us talking about unions is, is making it easier and making it more broadly socially acceptable within the United States fucked up work culture for developers to actually think, huh, maybe this is the thing we should do. Cause it's not like people didn't know a, that unions were a thing. Um, but there's a lot of that misinformation and there's a lot of the thought of, okay, well, if we unionize public opinion will be against us. And if we, I mean, as tiny drops in the bucket, right. But if we collectively can help steer and move that needle to where that's, that's more desirable, more acceptable then that will, that will kind of create the environment within which more developers feel comfortable attempting to unionize. So that's where we both can do nothing, but also can do an awful lot. We've just got to keep doing what we're doing. And it's frustrating. It's really frustrating when a thing that has not been working, um, you know, for us to say, okay, but that's exactly the right thing. We've just got to keep doing it for a while, even though there's no sign of progress. But there will be, it is going to feel like nothing is changing until all of a sudden everything is changing. That's how this is going to work. Do you think we're finally on the path to this? Like, are we finally on the path to, to unionization? Like, I, because I, we keep, like, we, we've been saying it for years now, right? Like, the industry needs to unionize, and we all agree with that. We all agree with that. But it's been a mantra that we've all been repeating for years. It's coming, it's coming, it's coming. Are we finally getting any closer? Mm, I don't think it's been that loud a mantra. I mean, I haven't been in, working in the industry for that long, but my impression, just from kind of understanding the pulse of things, is that not this last GDC, but the previous GDC, mm -hmm. um, when Game Workers Unite kindly kind of stepped up and said, hey, we're here, let's fucking do this, was like the first step on that path. Um, so again, we're, we're not far down it. We have a lot of work to do. But I, I think that something meaningful has changed in the last year. I also think, and I, I don't want to dig into this right now, I do think that the just the piles of mass layoffs lately have kind of helped push a lot of folks because a, a lot of people who, you know, you could be in your job as a game developer and you could be fine. Like you could genuinely, maybe you crunch a little bit, but maybe you could feel that unions don't really have anything to offer you. And then all of a sudden your studio gets shut down, 50 people, including you, get laid off and you get shitty severance and you're like, wait, what the fuck just happened? I don't want that to ever happen to me again. Holy crap. And so now we've got all these mass layoffs happening. And the reason why I bring that up is because uh, news hit today that Gumi uh, just laid off 32 employees in its European studio. And there seems to be rumors about layoffs at level five in the US as well. Um, I don't know if that one's true or not, but I've seen a couple people talking about it on Twitter. So that's still happening. And I think the the waves of layoffs lately have kind of 
combined with all the other things like the discussion about crunch and um, you know kind of the exposés that have been coming out and it, it's sort of it's pushing a lot of people in that direction more so than it would have a few years ago. Well, I mean, it's at the end of the day, it's going to be incumbent upon um, people like the people like us and podcasts like this to keep pressing the issue, and, and you know, great journalistic outlets like Kotaku and you know, GamesIndustry.biz to to keep pushing the conversation on this and 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 you know, keep the narrative alive because you know, as we all love, we all love video games, we all love this industry, but part of loving something is wanting it to be better um, and not being afraid to critique it. Uh, and that's, that, that's part of, that's part of, I mean, if you love anything, you, you always want to, to have its best interest in mind and the gaming industry needs to take better care of its own. I mean, there's, there's no ifs, ands, or buts about it. And when it comes down to it, if it means that a game is delayed, I don't care how long it's delayed. If that, if those developers can listen, can have a normal life and spend time with their families and not feel like they are working themselves to death. And that's worth it to me because no game, when I read this, the story about Treyarch, no game is worth that to me. No game. As much as I love this industry, it's not worth it's not worth the it's not worth the human capital. It's just not. Um, you know, and that's that's just the way I feel about it. Um, I, I, I so I don't want to I don't want to stay on this topic for too long. Um, because we do have a lot more to tackle. I do want to see. I think Finn has had a couple um, moments he's wanted to chime in, and as somebody who was until Finn, very recently in an industry employee, like I, I very much value any yeah. of your input. Everything got. I just kind of like. Sorry, Finn, I yell. <laughs> no, Rev, we're here for that fucking energy, Rev. <laughs> it's not you, it's game doing what he does. What People. do I do? What do I do? I didn't do anything. I'll keep going. Whatever. What's the next topic, Derek? That's good, because the next topic is something that Finn does get to headline. Um, because there has been an ongoing conversation. We have not had a chance to really put some hands on and we had this this wonderful back and forth this very very polite and respectful and refreshing back and forth between finn and reb um within the group dms about pokemon and about the fact that not all of the pokemon effectively are coming back for pokemon sword and shield you cannot transfer any pokemon in the pokemon bank or home or whichever the the version is going to be um into Pokemon Sword and Shield, uh, you can only transfer the ones that are in that 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 regions like Pokedex. Versus right. every other game, the data has technically been there for every Pokemon. Um, right. Do you do you mind, Finn and Derek? Do you mind if I kind of give a summary of how this came about, and then I'll let you take your argument, Finn? I don't know what you just said. He said, "Of course." He's okay. such a gentleman. He's, oh, you got you got to talk louder, man. Your mic's coming. Your mic's cutting out again. Is this Finn. the webcam mic again? This is me trying the regular mic again. Uh, Switch to the webcam. No, no he's Switch okay. He's okay. You're fine. You're, I just heard that. You're fine. So yeah, basically what Derek said. Uh, Sword and Shield showed up at E3. Junichi Masuda and the Pokemon team uh, were on the stage at the Treehouse, um, and Junichi Masuda pointed out he was very. He was very nervous about it, you could tell, because it took him forever. I, they were going through a translator, but even for going through a translator, God, it took him forever to actually answer this question. Um, but yeah, so there's there's a regional Pokedex for the Galar region in Sword and Shield. Um, there are Pokemon in it that are brand... There's a bunch of Pokemon that are brand new. There are also a an unknown amount of Pokemon that are coming in from previous generations that you can catch and obtain in the Galar region while you're playing Sword and Shield. And GT Masuda said that um, those Pokemon are all in the game. If you have, like, say there's a Pikachu in Galar, of course there is. If you had a Pikachu in Pokemon Sun and Moon and you put it in Pokemon Bank, you could bring it forward into Sword and Shield. But, like, the like if there's 
I don't know what wouldn't be in there. Like, I don't know, fucking love disc. Like maybe there's not a love disc in Gal- the Galar region because who really likes love disc really? Um, and do. so if, okay, oh. I'm, I'm so sorry. Oh. But it's so cute, Rep. It is, is cute. Okay. it is a cute, it is a cute. I'm sorry, that was a bad example. I can't pick like a Pokemon that everybody hates. Well, that's, that's, that's Mr. Mime. I know, I know, I know, Mime. I know. So, so, so let's say there's no love disc in the Galar region. You can't take love disc from Sun and Moon and bring it forward into, uh, into Sword and Shield. And this is controversial. Um, GT Masuda's argument was that they're, you know, they're at over a thousand Pokemon now with the new, with the new ones. Um, that that's a lot. And at some point, they were going to have to draw a line because they're they, they have to animate all these Pokemon. They have to do all these different things for them. It's a lot of information. It's a lot of work. And they're just what he's saying. I, I don't think he was specifically saying that they couldn't do a thousand for this game, but that at some point that amount of Pokemon was going to get to be way too many and they had to draw a line. And so they decided that this was the place they were going to draw a line. This is controversial. Uh, every Pokemon game up to this point, with the exception of Ruby and Sapphire, has you been able to obtain every single Pokemon in by transferring them from previous games. Uh, it's a little weird in the Ruby and Sapphire era, but basically if you, I own Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon and I own Pokemon Bank. And at one, well, there's one afternoon when I took like multiple game, like I had a Game Boy Advance and a DS and a 3DS. And I took my Pokemon from the original Sapphire and I transferred them all the way to fuck up. It is a convoluted ass process. It, oh, this, yeah. is, this is unrelated to my argument later, but I, th- this <laughs> process just sucks. It takes, it takes forever. You need like multiple systems. You have to do all these stupid things with link cables and shit. And you transfer them all the way up and you can have them all in Pokemon Bank. So I have Pokemon from Sapphire that are still in Pokemon Bank. It's cool um but that that's basically the thing some people are really upset about this like finn see i have to stop right there because really upset <laughs> my, my disclaimer for this because unfortunately i'm on the yeah. side of the shit lords on twitter that are harassing game freak and the pokemon company over, over this and i really don't like that fact because i'm at that weird level where Yes, it's very disappointing, and I wish this wasn't true, but I'm also on the side of don't be assholes to people. It's it's a weird dichotomy right now, but yes, my, uh, my stance is I think this is a really deeply unfortunate move, and I understand their stance. And yes, logistically, a thousand Pokemon is a lot of fucking Pokemon, but at the same time, I'm not the one that based your entire franchise on the tagline, gotta catch them all. Now the tagline is gotta catch some of them. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's, it's frustrating because this, for the reasons you already mentioned, some people, I mean, a lot of people get surprised at just how deeply competitive the Pokemon community is. Like the I don't get surprised about that shit at all. The man. competitive scene is absurd i just crazy and it was like a month-long endeavor to to it doesn't matter but these i have this beautiful handcrafted team that i spent months on in sun and moon going boy i can't wait for this switch game it's gonna be awesome and i like when current games have forced you to beat the game with the national decks and then after the fact that's when you can open the floodgates it just seems. How many Pokemon are there now total? Like, like we, how many? Po- over a thousand. We don't know the exact over number. Over a thousand, yet right? Over a thousand. We don't know the exact number because they haven't announced all the Pokemon for Sword and Shield yet. So, I mean, it seems it seems reasonable to me that they would want to kind of call a little bit and say, okay, and so I, we, we've got to put a limit on. I get on how that. Many- but at the same time, 859 wasn't a problem. 
but now suddenly an extra hundred and something is, and they're like, oh no. And again, this could be super mitigated by the fact that we don't know how many aren't making the cut. It literally could be the hundred most disliked and disinterested Pokemon of all time aren't well, making their way over. I mean, Sobble, I is, Sobble right now is the only Pokemon that matters. You mean like, garbage? My, my young, my young, my, my adorable young son, Sobble, now, is... I would love to. I would. I would love to get Caitlin's opinion on this. So, I guess my thing. Reb said that it's not necessarily even that they couldn't do it this time, right? It's just that they were like, "We're gonna make a call," and I guess to me, it makes sense that if you were going to have to make that call anyway, might as well do it when you're moving to a brand new system and a brand yeah. new kind of like look and feel of a like game. Like a fresh start kind of thing. Yeah, and to me, and too, I'm like probably not the best person to ask because I'm like a very lapsed Pokemon fan and I always found it kind of weird that you could transfer from the other regions. Um, I always just kind of thought that the Pokemon from the game should be the ones that you catch. And that's like you, you, want, you want everything to be self-contained. Yeah, I'm not okay. a completionist. Like I've never even caught all the Pokemon in one Pokemon game, but I was like, I would get close, and then they'd be like, "And now there's all these other ones you can get." And I was like, "No, <laughs> no, it's too much. I don't I've want caught it. enough. So long. I'm yeah. done. I have so many of these. Like, because especially too, because for me, I'm like, I like to like use my Pokemon and get attached to them. So then having like a billion, I'm like, well, these these motherfuckers are all just sitting in here. Like they're not doing anything. They're just being sad and computer space or whatever so for me it's not like i'm not emotionally attached or invested to having Nurse all joy of them, takes very good care of them but <laughs> <laughs> well what one thing that is interesting to me is this is the first mainline pokemon game on an actual like i get that you it's a it's a handle but it's a console like it's it's a home console and this is their first this is nintendo's first mainline pokemon game on their flagship console the 3ds was never their flagship um and so i am a little bit surprised that they're not going all out for this one um but at the same time i kind of tend to agree with caitlin in that i i, I don't i didn't really expect them to transfer the whole big ass pokedex over and it doesn't like i'm a new pokemon fan but it doesn't bother me like in the slightest bit because i i, just, I don't know it's to me it doesn't seem i'm not surprised and it doesn't seem like a big deal finn you had your hand up yeah well i'm just saying uh I, saying it's not a big deal, I feel, is a little disingenuous to the people that have been hardcore fans for the last 20-something years. I'm not saying the way they're handling the situation is right, because it's not. Reb, passing the no, tape. No, keep keep talking I'm when you're done. Oh, okay. Uh, and, and, and the problem with the point I'm trying to make is it, it's just, it's a weird, like, I acknowledge that this is the reality, and I'm just kind of really deflated on it. It has knocked a little of my excitement for the new games down even though i'm i can't wait to play it and experience all the newness that the game has that's understandable there's a part it's a, it's like when a fighting game comes out with a new one and it's a bigger and better roster but they didn't carry over your favorites from the last game uh, it's like when they didn't put characters from smash brothers melee into brawl or whatever right. that exactly. fucked me up yeah yeah like, well, like but that, 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 that's a little different i mean i don't know not, not really, really. It's just a scale issue. Yeah, yeah. exactly. And, but it's weird because it, at the same time, we're moving to the most powerful platform that has ever had a Pokemon game. And now is the time when they're claiming that they can't fit enough. And I again, it's, it's the logistics, it's the time. 
But the fact that we could fit 800 plus on a 3DS, but the Switch has to be downscaled seems unfortunate to me. And I'll and and that's pretty much all I have to say because the end result is I am going to play it. I accept it. I just hope that uh, my my dream is that a future update is surprise. Uh, free DLC, we've now, uh, the, these other lost Pokemon have made their way to the new region, and then all is well. And maybe they have to do it in, in, in waves, but I don't know. I don't know. I mean, that could be a possibility, right? Like, they do that with Pokemon Go. Right. Right? So, I mean, I don't think it's impossible, but it also kind of seems like, going back to the crunch conversation, like, doing all the animations and stuff for that too. I get why it seems like Nintendo's kind of trying to move towards practices that are a little kinder to devs. So maybe like that's part of it too. Yeah. I yeah, mean, I, it, I, that, no, no, Finn, go ahead. I didn't mean to cut you off. No, uh, Reb said she was, she had something to say. Mm. After I was okay, Reb, right. Please. I haven't actually given my counterpoint to you yet, okay. which is what I wanted to do. All right, let's go Reb. Let's, let's no, do so it. I, I entirely understand why Finn is upset. Like that. Absolutely. I don't, I don't, I have my Pokemon team in my bank cause legacy shit, but I don't care. I'm never going to use them. Um, but I, I get like people, people who have those teams and who have worked on them being upset, like totally makes sense. Or if you, like, I'm bummed out cause they've got Wooloo in this game. They ain't bringing Mary and the Galar. Absolutely not. They already got a cute sheep. They don't need another one. Mary one of my faves, but <laughs> I, so, so I, I have two opinions on this effectively who are the, that are related, but kind of independent of one another. Um, my first is that I think this is, is a good thing and I, I see why they're doing it, not just because of all this animation nonsense, but because Pokemon, ever since Pokemon Go, uh, Game Freak and the Pokemon company in general and Nintendo with, with their hands in it, is that they have been moving in a direction of making Pokemon more accessible. Not, not in the sense of accessibility like controls and things like that, because Let's Go was garbage for that, that's not what I mean, but in terms of opening it up to a wider audience that includes not just the nostalgic people who played it as kids, but also their children. Because they figured they had, got Pokemon Go and that went nuts, and they figured out that they have these adults who have this nostalgia for the series who can now connect with like their five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and up-year-olds um, who are now getting to be the age where they can start playing new mainline Pokemon games. I think that's really cool. However, if you are a new person who's new, like John, you're brand new to this series. You pick up a Pokemon game and you look at that Pokedex and you see that it has, I, I know they're talking in chat, there's not a thousand Pokemon. Let's just say for the sake of argument, there's exactly a thousand Pokemon in this game. You look at that Pokedex, you see there's a thousand Pokemon in it. Are you going to fucking complete that Pokedex? No. I wouldn't. <laughs> so, no, no, but but John, a person who is new to the series, who has never right. seen any of these Pokemon before, who the only way to get hundreds of those Pokemon. Hold on, I'm, I'm, I'm gonna make both. I'm I'm gonna make both of my points, and then I'm gonna get off. Fuck the yeah! The only way to catch those thousand Pokemon is to take several hundred of them and go back and play old games and transfer them up or trade with people who have. That is so much work. I love that the online training has made it easier to obtain specific Pokemon, but in terms of getting like several hundred to complete a Pokedex, that takes so much dedication and work. That is not accessible. However, if you have a Pokedex with, say, 300 or so Pokemon, that's a huge cut from what we have now. I don't know what, how many they're actually going to do, but I look at the number 300 and all of those are obtainable in a game. I think, wow, I can catch them all. So I think it actually does go back to that original slogan of the franchise. A thousand is way too fucking many. That's ridiculous. No, not no one. Very few people are going to do that. But gotta catch them all is meaningful to more people if there are fewer in that definition. So I, I think that's 
one of the reasons why they're doing that. And I think in that sense, it's a good reason. And that's why I'm kind of positive about it because it makes the message of the franchise more interesting to me. Now, my other thought on this is that Game Freak has an interesting business junction coming up in front of it. They have made these games the same fucking way for years now. Mm-hmm. Like, like it's been, they, they do not iterate very much. They, they make these interesting mechanics. They drop the next generation at a different one. Um, that's what they do every time. There is not a lot of variation in each game. That's something that longtime fans have complained about for a long time. And they're doing it again on the Switch, which is an interesting choice. The, I, I don't buy into the really crazy arguments where they're like zooming in on the detail of the trees. And they're like, this game looks like shit, like whatever. But you can look at the Switch for the at Sword and Shield and say, wow, this doesn't look fair. This isn't like this isn't like Breath of the Wild. This isn't fully using Switch to its full capabilities. This doesn't look like how I imagined a console Pokemon game to look. And I think one of the main reasons for that is they've turned this into an annual franchise with certain expectations, and they can make a shit ton of money off doing this every single year. It's be- it's come to be expected that it's an annual franchise from Nintendo, from Pokemon Company, and Game Freak, because they get the money from it. Like, it, it makes money. It, that's what companies want to do. I mean, yeah, I don't, I'm not getting into the greedy devs department. That's not what this is. But as long as the thing they're doing is working, they're going to keep doing it. And I think this backlash about the Pokedex is maybe like the first real punchback from a large enough segment of the community that it might actually have an impact. I, I don't really think it will. I don't think it'll have a meaningful enough one that they'll change their direction. But I do think that. I wonder at some point if they're going to have to reckon with the fact that they have been doing pretty much the same thing year after year. And now that they're on a console, doing that same thing doesn't look nearly as good and isn't nearly as appealing to as many people. With Let's Go, it was fine because it was marketed as a much more simplified version of the game, and that was okay. But people were expecting a lot from Sword and Shield. I don't think they're going to get it. There is no way they are going to patch in the extra Pokemon after launch. There is no way they're going to do the DLC and the things that people want them to do. They're not going to do it. They're going to come out with another slight spin-off kind of Pokemon mainline game next year. And then the following year, they will come out with the next mainline game. It will be the exact same yep. kind of upgrade iteration that they've been doing for years. And people, will buy and, it. and people will buy it. But at some point, I don't know when, I think they're going to have to reckon with that. And I'm very interested to see what the tipping point is. Okay, that's all the points I have. Go. No, I just had one <laughs> counterpoint. <laughs> to, the, to the whole concept of Gotta Catch Them All being too daunting, what the recent games have all done that have mitigated that issue is they have had a specific game pokedex that you can easily fill that's 100 to 300 pokemon and you you get the full reward for completing that and it's after you beat the game that if you want to do the rest it's there but you get that congratulations you caught them all feeling at a much more manageable and acceptable pace. Saki, her first uh, uh, go at it was Sun and Moon and just straight up absorbed it all, completed it for Sun and Moon. When the rest of it opened, she's like, I'm okay. And she felt completely just like fulfilled and satisfied and felt a wave of accomplishment. And I got to keep going because that's what I wanted to do. And it was just nice that that option was there. So I like that they've been doing that for, for generations yeah. of Pokemon. And that's why I don't think it being daunting really works as a counter argument because they give you two different Pokedexes to worry about. So Finn, let me ask you this. What if they said, look, here's a compromise. We'll take the, we'll take the missing Pokemon 
and fill their slots with Digimon. Oh, that's even better. I love Digimon more than Pokemon. Blair Garurumon is the best Digimon of all time. You opened the wrong can of worms. What if the next one? Digimon, digital. No, no, I regret everything. I regret everything. I regret everything. I regret it all. Is this a Digimon? Remaster Cyber Sleuth, you can't. What is that's a mistake. Whatever that's, an, it is. that's an abomination is what that I got is. It, I got it in a box of knockoff tiny Pokemon figurines, and I don't think it's actually a Pokemon. If Satan Here, were um... a boss fight, that would be his first form. It's that's not a form is. of Gabumon, so I don't even care. Here, I'll show you. Chat understands. Hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on, hold on. This is the Golbat that was in the same thing. Derek, Hi, Derek, has Derek, Derek, what's Sorry, up? Sorry, Derek, go ahead. It's no, okay. he's fine. No, you're fine. So I had, and this is actually, I want to see um, how Finn would feel about this. So we have part of our big problem, part of my big problem where I understand and, and I'm like, I understand it's okay to be upset and, and I understand why people are upset, especially given the first thing that they do after announcing Pokemon Home, which is this service where you can, this new cloud service where you can put any Pokemon and then you say, but the out ramp is only good for some of them. Um, and I wonder back in the day, we used to have Pokemon stadium. Mm -hmm. Does it maybe make sense to make this cloud service, a catch all storage battle trade system with no adventure elements attached and then use the games themselves instead of trying to like, oh, the games need to be service elements where they keep getting updated with new and you can trade old Pokemon into them and instead use games like Sword and Shield to introduce new Pokemons and elements that will only be used in that game. Like, like Z-Moves probably are not coming back. Uh, we can safely assume that Dynamax will not carry over to the next Pokemon game. God, I never knew. Yeah, so... That each... actually sounds like something they would do. That but, sounds like a real Well, thing. no, but that's the thing is I, I don't think they would because not to speak ill of former employer, but Nintendo. <laughs> like, it's too good of an idea and it's not that difficult a concept like because then all you're doing is slowly updating the already subscription-based cloud app with a battle simulator and a trading system and no world or mechanics and all you do is you okay the new game comes out these moves were were adjusted like leech life went from 20 damage to like 80 damage in sun and moon then you just adjust right. that in did it really yes but also lie. like everybody like, lost it, it like everybody lost it like like zubat doesn't have leech life anymore he has absorb <laughs> um it, it was to give bug types of another like a really badass move ah. um but anyway like that that with that do you think Settle the, the, the hedgehog in your brain. Yes, because it gives you the opportunity to oh, still no. interact. What, what? Say that all again, loudly. Oh, I mean, I even switched the, the, the mic on this one. Anyway, I was saying, can you hear me now? Huh? Yeah. Okay. I was saying, yes, that would, because it just, the whole point is being able to play in the competitive scene and have your Pokemon and still have them and trading and battling it doesn't it wouldn't bother me as much if you couldn't use them in the adventure mode as long as they were still available for the post-game content i guess and if, if that cloud service allowed that i personally would be okay with it i can't speak for others but i, I think that would be a very reasonable compromise i just know that competitive pokemon is like a capital t thing and like 
you know, you're never, I, I don't know. Like I did not realize that until I attempted to expand from FGC stuff into like running Pokemon tournaments. And I was like, I'm in over my head. <laughs> these people are, there's <laughs> a lot of these people like, and they I, were hardcore. I love that you sounded like Elvis when you said that. <laughs> I'm in over my head. <laughs> like, that was, that was I'm fucking... sorry. I'm from the South. I can't help that sometimes. Uh-huh. No, no, dude, that's... no, that was fantastic. I, I do want to uh, I do want to say that I, yeah, I, let's I think, move on. yeah we need to move on from the Pokemon stuff because we've still got a lot of stuff we got to cover. Um, and and, no, thank, thank you very much. Apologizing. We thank love you, you to our guest who came on to be on our show and then listened to Rev and I just go off on Pokemon for like thirty minutes. So it's okay. It's okay. It's okay. It's okay, baby. It's all good. It's yeah, all this good. is honestly still the most constructive conversation around this that I've ever heard. So I'm not apologizing <laughs> for this. <Stop>. Yeah. <laughs> no, Finn, you you like you you get you start to talk and then we talk over you because we're all loud and then when you get to talk you apologize. Stop apologizing. Stop apologizing, for having Finn. Talking Jesus. On this podcast that we uh, want you to be on. We love you. You have given the most My like God. constructive and polite and reasonable and non-toxic conversation that i have heard about that side of the argument and i Meanwhile, wish the, the rest of us are just here like oh yeah. i wish the rest <laughs> of twitter was the rest of gaming twitter was like half as as reasonable and chill as you are about subjects like this he's almost as reasonable and chill as i am about final fantasy no you are the opposite of that <laughs> um, you managed to insert final fantasy he does fantasy it every time we just every- need to not it's like Kenny dying in South Park. Podcast. It's gonna happen. Just let it happen and move Hell on past yes. it. So, all right, all right, with, we're moving on. Just yeah, we're moving on. With um, Pokemon done. So um, real, quick, real quick, real quick, real quick. Um, this next topic is a serious one, actually, uh, and I'm going to count on Derek and Reb and Caitlin to lead it. Um, but I do want to. I want to preface it with something very quick. Um, you know, we're we're wrapping up Pride Month. And as somebody who used to not think that there was a problem with representation uh, many years ago, you know, I had a different mindset than I do now. Um, we, we were still not there, in my opinion. And it was underlined this morning by a tweet I saw about a straight pride parade that now has a permit in Boston. Um, you don't need a fucking straight pride <laughs> parade, boys. You don't need it. Um, and it really made me angry because I have been in places in the world where if you are a member of the LGBTQ community, you are, that is a, that is punishable by death. Um, I, there are places in the world I've been to where they carry this punishment out. So, you know, nowhere in the world will you, nowhere in the world will being straight earn you a death sentence. So you don't need a fucking, you don't need a fucking straight pride parade. You don't. Shut the fuck up. You don't need it. Um, we have a big problem with representation, not just in this industry, but in this country. And people have to be willing to stand up and recognize it for what it is. Um, it's something that is extremely important to me. Um, and I, I just, especially since I have so many friends in that community that I would give my life for um it's very important to me so that being said um i want to wrap up uh pride month with talking about how we can better about how we can better foster inclusiveness in the gaming industry like fuck the rest of the world like let's 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 start with the gaming industry 
you know, because that's something that I feel like we can we can immediately help immediately affect here. So let's start there. Um, and what I'm hoping as uh, as as a straight man is to be who who is an ally to be educated. Same. So please. Which of us is taking first on this uh, one? Derek, Derek, I'm Derek, a what? baby queer. You do it. Derek, what? Derek, <laughs> I'm technically a baby queer. I wasn't out until this year, so. Oh. I know. I didn't think so. I just so. figured out I was by like so three months ago. Let's let's know. talk kind of. Oh, I, I do. You guys are sweet yeah. baby. I want to. I want to <laughs> talk. I want to talk about me being a baby gay, and I want to talk about my circumstances because I think we want to. I, I have an interesting not very frequent but i'm learning like more people identify this way than i thought um so i'm pansexual uh i really don't care about the gender of the person i think or their identity um it's pretty much doesn't play a factor in terms of whether i'm attracted to somebody like physically or romantically um but the thing is i've been i'm a cis man and i've been with a cis woman for like eight years now um and like I dated a couple people, a, a couple girls before her, but I was like a dumb nerd and didn't get many dates. But um, I've been with Martha for eight years and I love her to death and I never want to go anywhere else. And for the longest time, I felt like, A, I needed to not talk about or acknowledge anything outside of that um, in order to not rock the boat, but also that I wouldn't be accepted as queer because I didn't count right because I'm a I'm a man with a woman so so no you're just straight and looking for points and and thankfully I feel like the LGBT community does not buy into that bullshit but like I had met a few people who felt that way and I kind of stuffed that down um and and it was really only like in a wave of middle fingers that earlier this year I was like nah fuck it here I am um, I'm so proud of you. You shouldn't be. <laughs> no, he should be, and I am too, because, like, you just, I I know it's never as easy as it appears on the surface, but you talk about it with such perceived ease and confidence, and you and I have a lot of similarities in our stories, and so it makes me feel like, it. I mean, listening to the stuff that you talked about made me feel like, oh, it's actually really okay if I talk about this too. Like, it's fine. Well... And maybe that's, maybe that's like, cause, cause obviously I can, I can not really speak to what it means to be an ally because even when I was just an ally, I really had more skin in the game than that. Um, but, um, so speaking as a queer person, like, okay, pride month is about to wrap up. It's one month out of the year. Um, and it's it, while we've got eyes on us, like, I I don't always feel comfortable suggesting what other people should do, like what allies should do, um, because I'm relatively new to actually being open in the scene and not just like pretending I'm a straight man because it's it's easy and convenient. Um but like I wish I had seen more conversations about like buy and pan erasure way earlier and I might have come out way earlier and honestly I want to give a huge shout out to um our buddy Nick Electivirus uh now Doofy Books on Twitter who oh, was really really helpful with me into like 
it, it really sometimes can take one really good queer friend to help you accept that and and become more open about it um and if it wasn't for other queer people in gaming twitter in in our circles then i still might be in the closet you know so that's it's important that i feel like it's important that we be like loud and open and forward as much as we individually are comfortable with um and then maybe one step further than that because that can help other people that's what got i want to kick it over to uh why am i leading this derek you take it kick no. it over to caitlin caitlin wait did you just <laughs> yeah, why am i leading this <laughs> Caitlin, I was uh, I, I was just curious. What what you know as as you know as somebody who as somebody who is openly queer, how do you like? There's a lot of bullshit that floats around this community, right? Mm -hmm. And you, I mean, it, you have your own podcast, so like, how do you how do you address these issues uh, on your podcast, or or when you're streaming, or or when you find somebody who is let's just say I guess being belligerent um how do you like what is your reaction how do you what goes through your head and, and how do you how do you manage those situations so i'm actually largely pretty lucky in that i don't deal with too much bullshit online um i've gotten like a handful of bad things as opposed to like the onslaught that i know like a lot of folks deal with um kind of to what um derek was talking about like i am very gay and very open about it um i'm a really loud fucking queer and that's kind of been my objective for a long time because i've been out forever i've been out since i was like 13 so i'm an old gay um <laughs> and um i just got tired of feeling shitty about it so when i realized like i'm a loud obnoxious person anyway so then i was like well i can be loud and obnoxious and also gay um that was kind of how I went about it um and that's kind of why our site exists because when I decided I wanted to start doing this um I didn't really see anybody like me doing it especially in the small space um which there's actually a ton of queer people in like games media it's really really cool like there's all tons of like queer and trans folks doing this shit and it's rad as hell but in my space, I didn't see anybody doing it. So I was like, well, I guess I'm going to be the gay games website and that's what we're going to do. Um, and so we try really hard with our content coverage is mostly queer stuff. Our staff, with the exception of Andrew, is all queer femme people. Um, Andrew's our token cis white man and he stays behind the scenes for that reason. We all need um, one. <laughs> um, or nine in our case yeah <laughs> honestly if any of us knew how to do video shit he wouldn't have a job but we don't so um so it goes sometimes you have to have that diversity higher um but yeah so we just try to we try to center us <laughs> that just hit me god damn it <laughs> that's so good that's so good but so yeah so we try to center um we try to center queer folks in pretty much everything we do because we are queer folks and um we're we're not the best at it we still need to be better about like centering like people of color too but i mean we just did for our pride package like we um excuse me sorry we just got a bunch of shit actually when we launched the thing for uh doing our pride package and asking for only queer writers and we got a bunch of comments being like oh it's your you whatever it's bad that you only want gay people. What about other people? And I was like, I don't care about other people. 
Good. Like, Excellent. And that's the thing. That's the super nice thing about running my own site is I don't have to give a shit about anybody but me. Exactly. Like, half the time, my like fucking coworkers can't stop me. Like, I do whatever I want. And so that's basically what we told them. So yeah, we've had uh we'll have four as of tomorrow queer people writing for our site and then on top of that too like our other content has all been focused on queer people we highlighted queer cosplayers like our brand is just real gay and that's just what we do and so like i don't know i guess that's i don't know if that was a good enough answer but that's how we deal with it is just by being gay as hell and centering ourselves on other queer folk that's fucking outstanding i'm really like i said i've i've listened to to some of your content and i've got such a huge amount of respect for you for what you do over there caitlin um and you exude a really you exude a really admirable sense of poise and strength and i really admire that you would have been much um, better off saying big gay energy than any of that big but... gay energy yeah right <laughs> like yes i pride myself on my big gay energy so thank you well and speaking of big gay energy reb Reb is also what was it Derek who said a baby who said a baby gay was it Caitlin it was Caitlin Caitlin said a baby gay Reb is a baby gay too I'm I'm, I'm never getting over that term by the way that, that I'm gonna I'm gonna be laughing about that for the next week they're gabies um, <laughs> oh all we um, did was make a worse pun out of it but I still love it's it it's never it's never a dull week on on SDGC on All Thursday right. nights oh boy Reb. <laughs> Reb. Jesus. So Reb, um as somebody who has recently come out, um how has I'm trying to figure out the best way to frame this. Um how has it changed your like now that you're now that you're open and you're out, how has it changed your perspective of how the industry handles um LGBT issues and do you now that you're openly now that you are openly part and parcel of this community, do you feel like I don't know. What's your take on it, Rib? I, I don't, I'm not really sure how to frame the question. But. Right. No, I think I know where you're going. So a little bit of background. I, I see a lot of people in chat talking up in like really either conservative communities or really religious communities or just communities that in general were not kind to LGBTQ folks. Um, and I, I was that too. Um, I grew up in a super religious community and I was, I was a bigot. I was a huge jackass. Um, I thought that straight was the only option. Everyone else was going to hell. Um, I had a lot of really bad opinions. I was, and actually I have, I was a really awful person up until like, not, not like yesterday recently, but several years ago, like, like in, in recent memory, like, like college, like beginning of college memory. Um, I was not a great person and it, I won't go into the whole details of how that changed, but my point is when I was growing up, I didn't think I had any other options other than to be straight. I didn't consider any other options. And I got I got married to uh, a straight man. Um, I also assuming I was straight because I didn't think there was any. I never considered dating women to be anything that I would ever do. And it wasn't until fairly late in that relationship that I played Stardew Valley and I was picking a romantic partner. And I was like, you know, trying to romance all the guys because I thought, oh, I'm I'm playing a girl character. I'm supposed to marry a guy, and I didn't like any of the guys. I mean, they were fine. Like. Like, you know, <laughs> Elliot's nice, uh, uh, Sebastian's fine, but he's a smoker and that's not my thing, um, personally, but you know, they, they just all had like kind of a thing. And I was like, you know, I don't, I don't, I don't really know who I want to marry. I guess I'll just pick somebody. And then I started building up a friendship with Abigail 
and I really liked her. Yeah. And yeah. Abigail was, is gay bait. That bitch oh, is in there for us. <laughs> she is. And I just, I kept playing the game and I realized, wow, I like this character. This is great. And I'm like, wait, no, I like her. I want to marry her. I want my girl character to marry another girl character. And this is fine. And I tried to dismiss it as just like something that was happening in the context of a video game. It wasn't great. But um, I was also dealing with some other stuff that year and kind of thinking, because I, I was looking into these kinds of issues, right? Because I thought I might be asexual as well for various reasons. And so I was looking into that and I thought, wait, if I am asexual, then I d actually don't like, I mean, I'm married, obviously I don't care. Like that, that's, that's outside the issue. But I, if I was dating, I don't think I would care whether I was dating a man. And I don't think it would make a difference to me realistically. Like it, it depends on the person and not anything to do with their gender or sexuality. I don't think I care about that. And I, for reasons unrelated to that, I ended up getting, uh, I ended up separating from my husband uh, back in, back in January. So I'm, I'm not, I'm not married anymore. Um, and so it, it was, it was weird. It was, it was completely unrelated to that. I suddenly have this I, I was in a situation that Derek was in where I was feeling this strange thing, but didn't know how to explore it um, because I was I thought I was happy in my relationship. But now I'm in this new context where suddenly I have the freedom to explore it. And so it's it's been kind of interesting to try different words for what I am. Like I was calling myself asexual last year. I don't think I actually am. I think I'm probably Demi or somewhere in there, like gray. There's a bunch of different words thrown around there. I don't, I don't think they're necessarily useful for everybody for describing what I am, but it, it's helpful to think about sometimes when I'm trying to categorize myself. Um, Derek called himself pan. I call myself bi. I think I might end up switching to pan at some point down the line. I just haven't like dated a ton of people. And so I don't, I, I don't actually know if like, like where my preferences lie there. I don't know if I care. I might change at some point, but that's great. Like I can, I have that freedom. It's you whatever, freedom it's that. whatever works to describe myself and that's all okay. And video games have helped me do that because like I'm playing the Sims 4 right now and my character's dating men and women and everybody else. Like it's fine. It's great. And it helps. I, I know it's not real life, but it helps to be able to sort of compartmentalize right that right right with like a self-insert character to to think about it in terms of like well this is my character who i've modeled after me what are the kinds of things i like in other characters well i don't like it when they're mean um i i don't like this trait i don't like that but i do like this and whether they're a man or a woman that's fine with me and i think about that like like in terms of real life too like what what would i consider so i think i think my my big takeaway for the gaming industry is that i <sighs> I see a lot of people, I mean, there are a lot of people who are just massive jackasses. I mean, that is what it is. Um, but there are also a lot of people who are just kind of indifferent or kind of have these dismissive opinions. Like, well, I don't really care if people are gay. I don't really care if there are gay people in these games. But I don't know why everyone's making such a big deal out of it. Like, it doesn't matter. Like, if they want to put gay people, fine. If they don't, fine. Like, what? whatever. We just, why are we talking about this? Why is this important? Just let people make what they want to make. Artistic integrity. Bleh. Um, but like, I think it's, I think it's important right now to like, to elevate, to elevate queer voices. Um, if, if you have, if you have the power to elevate queer voices, if you're in a position of power, if you're running an outlet or if you're running a podcast or if you're, you know, running something if, or if you're running a studio, if you're in a position of power to elevate queer voices and if you're in a position to put more representation in games and also to make to make your games have more representation to do that. Because I would never have known that my options weren't just being straight if I hadn't had games. And if I hadn't had people on Twitter, the internet talking about, like if I hadn't had people like Derek 
saying, yeah, I'm in a, I'm in what appears to be a hetero marriage, but, or sorry, marriage partnership. Uh, but I am pan and that's fine. Like I can, those two things are not mutually exclusive. I can be both of those things. That was so important for me to hear. And it's important for me to know that, yeah, I can, I can date women and that's fine, but also I can, you know, date men and that's fine too. And that doesn't make me any less bi or pan or whatever the fuck I am. Like, like all those things are fine. But the only reason why I know those things is because I've been part of the gaming community. And like, like you said, Caitlin, the gaming community is very loudly and delightfully queer. It really is. And it's getting louder and louder now that it seems that um, those folks have a little more freedom to talk about those things. And so uh, you, you said at the beginning of the segment that you wanted um, it to be kind of like, what, what do people who are not queer do to elevate, you know, those who are and to be better allies? And I think the thing is just elevate their voices, elevate their voices when they're talking about issues, um, LGBTQ issues, but also elevate them when they're not. Like, exactly. like people, people on Twitter put that shit in their bios. You know that shit about people. If you see them writing something that has absolutely nothing to do with being queer, elevate that shit too. Because like, it's really important to talk about the stuff. It's also really important to elevate the stuff that they do that has nothing to do with it. Because we're not just here to talk specifically about those issues. We have other things to offer. And that's how we get that community represented. Yeah, that a hundred percent. Like the number of times with other like queer freelancers that I've had the conversation of, oh, I think I'm only getting pitches accepted when they're about like diversity mm-hmm. is fuck, I would be rich. It's horrible. Like, I mean, and yeah, like we're gay writers, we write about being gay, but like that shouldn't be the only thing that gets us work or that gets us noticed. Yeah. Um, because that's the only way, like I hate the word normalize because there's a very loaded word, but like that's the only way that you like for lack of a better word, that's the only way that you normalize people in the industry and make it like just a thing, you know, like if you continue to tokenize us, then that's all we're ever going to be. Yeah, I agree. And, and you oh, know, like, sorry, it's... the thing Imran just put in chat too, that's like a super thing you can do. If, if pronouns are not something that matter to you, put them in your Twitter bio anyway. Because, I will put them. You know, I'm going because... to put my pronouns in my Twitter bio after the podcast. I know. I know you just said normalizing is. Is, is a funny word but that's a case where i think it's used well normalizing pronouns is super helpful because it creates safe spaces for queer people who actually kind of feel they need to tell people like like i mean it, it th- there's a whole conversation about pronouns no that's I, a no Imran makes, whole thing, but most just, people just put them in your bio. It's helpful. most yeah, people would assume like, that's the easiest act of allyship it does not hurt you to put your pronouns out yeah it's so it it's it's literally takes no effort from anybody like most people would would very very easily assume and whether i mean it's not really a good idea to assume anything but people would look at me and they would go oh that's a guy he him and like for me to put he him in my bio like i'm not correcting anybody's probably initial assumption about me but if i do that then it's it's not unusual for anybody to do that right like and it's not people like me uh even as somebody who is queer like who who needs for that to become a common part of like my dialogue and my conversation um you know but if people become used to the concept that that is a thing that they need to be aware of 
Um, because ignorance is as big a part of this as malice. Like there are going to be people who look in my bio and see that I have pronouns. They're just going to be like, duh, you're one of those nerds with pronouns in your bios. And I can just be like, well, and you're a fucking dumbass block, but like, that's a really good way to filter out people you don't <laughs> want on your Twitter. Yeah, exactly. It's really easy. Um, but anybody who's got a problem with it is welcome to come find me at a con and talk to me about it. Yeah. But, um, <laughs> We'll we'll enlighten yeah, everybody. I'll fucking fight. Like, let's go. Honestly, let's go. Let's get scrappy. Fucking, I'll be at Pax West. I'll be <laughs> wearing a big yellow beanie if you want to talk about it. We can. I'm sure we can have a measured conversation. Yeah, but um, like, but just because um, like I, you know, ignorance, and it's it's not bad to be ignorant. We are all born into ignorance, and none of us are going to know this stuff from the start. And I even understand and forgive if you don't know you don't know something, you can't really seek it out. But like, that's why it's important to increase the exposure to these concepts, I feel like, because then people can see the pronouns in the bios of all these people as an example um, and go, oh, okay, this is a thing. And they're either going to fall in line with it and be cool or they're going to be a shithead and we can know that we don't have to give a shit about literally anything that they say or do, you know? I mean, you're, you're, when you get properly exposed to these things, like, and if you choose to just be like, Meh, like at least you're not participating in the harassment, but you're aware. So. Yeah. I think something else good too, is just like, it's okay to ask people their pronouns. Like, I feel like a lot of people think it's super awkward, but like John asked me and I appreciated it. Cause like I'm non-binary and people like, are weird about it so it's Nothing nice it. yeah it's nice to just be able to be like hey what pronouns do you use and then just like yeah it's i think more respectful than fucking it up well i just want to make the i just other... want to make sure that that i just want to make sure that 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 you feel welcome here um finn go ahead Finn first i was just saying i i think another big thing that you can do is if you do accidentally just assume a, a pronoun and they correct you don't get defensive that's the worst thing you can do. Just apologize and from that point on use the proper pronoun. But if you start getting like, oh, you never told me like what that's the wrong approach. That's yeah. all I have. Yeah. Okay. I thought you were going I thought you were going somewhere else with that. I was like, No, I just it's No, so, like I think so there's a tendency people get weird about it. I mean, I don't I don't know. I use she her and I present very feminine, so I've I've never had this issue, but just from reading other people's experiences with it. Uh, some people get weird and they like try to over apologize and they freak out and they keep bringing it up and they're like, oh my God, I'm so, so sorry. And they just keep going. And I, my understanding is that that's not especially helpful. Just like apologize once, correct yourself and move on. Yeah. Like, like don't yeah, make, don't, you're making it about yeah. yourself at that point. Like you're not saying, I'm sorry, I fucked up. You're saying, oh, I fucked up and I feel bad about it. And like, it's a whole thing. I need you, you. I need, you, I, I need you to please validate yeah. my feelings yeah. about fucking yeah. up. Well, yeah. and what I've, what I've, I've noticed is, is I think people seem to think that that i'll say specifically straight people in regards to to general queerness or like cis people when it comes to uh trans and non-binary people if they're not really comfortable familiar with that they assume they're gonna get chewed out because they've been told by a lot of people by the media by society by bad faith actors that we're gonna chew them out for getting anything wrong and i've literally never seen that happen i have never seen um a trans or non-binary person like jump down somebody's throat and eviscerate them for getting the pronouns wrong like the first time like it, because 
we can't afford to do that. We can't afford yeah. to throw punches at everybody who gets something wrong, which is going to be most people. It's when, and we know when somebody's doing it in bad faith, when you repeatedly kind of intentionally make the fuck up and make no effort to actually correct yourself. That's when you're actually, when we start going, all right, bud. That's when you're trying to provoke a reaction. Yeah, exactly. And we can tell, we know because we have to be able to know, like it's a necessary skill when you're queer in any way, shape or form. So if you're not queer, like don't worry, don't overthink it. Just just come into it like don't keep your distance because that's do hurtful your best. too yeah well, you know, we'll help you like, i think it's like a it's like a we're more afraid of you than you are of it situation like for them like for cishet like straight people if you fuck up someone's pronouns and they yell at you like they yelled at you oh no like people are dealing with a lot worse shit for being who they are so like you can probably suck it up and like if someone is pissed off like you could probably just be fine <laughs> i'm just like i'm just like you know i've been i've been through boot camp i'll be okay like 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 you know i fucked up and, and that's the thing right caitlin it's like okay look look as a straight guy i'm not always gonna get it right i'm not no. i'm gonna fuck up at some i'm gonna fuck up somebody's pronouns at some point and they might get mad at me rightfully so all i can do is say okay noted i fucked up i won't any i won't the next time you yeah, know? I mean, um, I think that's exactly it. And like most people, like I think Derek's right. Like most people aren't gonna flip out. Like I think most people are one afraid to flip out because like they don't want to get you know hate crimed. Because that's um, when that's when people th- th- you know pull out their camera phones and shit. And yeah, like, like there's oh, a whole, look at the there's reaction. A whole, like we have so much more risk coming at cishet straight people than they do at us. Like it's just true. And I mean, I think most people know, like, yeah, you're going to fuck it up. Like, when I was only using they, them pronouns, I knew people were going to fuck it up. And I was just like, hey, don't forget, this is the pronoun I use. And it did get to a point where it was like, if you fuck it up more than, like, three times, I am going to yell at you. But, you know, like, it's just it's just silly. Like, you shouldn't be afraid because of your pride or because of, like, your anxiety that you're going to get yelled at. Because, like, again, people are dealing with worse. And, like, if you get yelled at, just grow. You know, I think... um as a, you know, as a straight guy and, you know, I, I think for, you know, it's important for, for people like me and for, and Finn and, and Brandon to, to be allies and, and to, and to stand up for our LGBTQA, for our friends, because, because there, we still have a problem with representation in the industry, right? Like it's, that's the bottom line and you know you don't have to look any farther than than twitter comments to playstation's um to playstation's pride month uh theme to see that you know it's right there um i look forward to the day when you know like you know it's you know we, when we have to stand up we have we have to stand up we have to stand up for our friends i look forward to the day when we don't have to because it's just it's just what it is it's accepted and that's that's what i want i want i just i want everybody to be treated equally and i i hate that they're not i really 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 hate that they're not and it bo- it just i don't know it bothers me it really bothers me derek okay uh, i was gonna say i think i feel like we're we're pretty much at the end of what can be said without like basically bringing up more person personal experiences and and if anybody feels differently please tell me wrong um but if we're going to exit this and move on to questions i just want to leave one last comment that none of us are really um equipped to directly and personally tackle but for everything we've just said about the difficulties that queer people face um and the importance for people to be allies we need to recognize that those problems are 
like exponentially worse for queer people of color. Um, and obviously, we're a bunch of white people, or at least yeah. white presenting, we're sitting on a podcast. White. Yeah, I mean, I'm like red right now, but that doesn't count. Um, I'm still very pasty and very Dutch. Um, I'm so. Yes. Oh no! I, I, just, <laughs> I love Derek's like yes. I thought I you had a, a good joke to chime in. No, I was I well I was just gonna say I'm ironically the least white of us all, ethnic ethnically, even though I act and look the most white. Yeah. Please continue. <laughs> okay, but um, so it's important to note that, for example, when we talk about like violence against trans women, right? Well, violence against um, you know, black and Hispanic trans women is gonna be so much worse than for trans women as a whole. Um, you know, uh, people of color experience a magnified version of what all of us are going through already often. Uh, this is the case with like every social factor in life because that's how intersectionality works. It's just, it feels like the more attributes you pile on, the worse people fucking treat you sometimes. But um, like, keep that in mind. I don't feel it's my place to, because I do not have the experiences as a person of color to speak to how that would have affected my life. Um, but, you know, again, like if you get snapped at because you get something wrong, like queer people of color are experiencing even more stress and even more shit than you can ever possibly imagine as somebody who's trying to be an ally. So don't take that personally. Um, I mean, don't take that personally from any queer person, but just, you know, know well, how that compounds, I guess I I'll, should say. Follow those people, listen to those people, and elevate their voices. And please. And shut the please. fuck up. Yeah. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and, and please, and like... Fucking a, preach! And please, if I, if, if I fuck up, if, like, you know, we have, we have a large uh, LGBTQ audience, a large one. Um, if I fuck up, tell me. I need, I, you know, I, if I need to be educated, tell me. Please, I want you to tell me. Um, uh, so... For the rest of the conversation, we got about 10 minutes left, right? And I want to end. So we've got a ton of questions. Brandon has been from, quiet. I want Brandon to answer every single one of them for all of us. So I'm actually going to throw the. So, so, so here's what right, I want. 20 so, questions in 10 minutes. Let's go. Yeah. No, let's no, 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 no. So, 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 so a lot of these questions I think we're going to tackle tomorrow on our morning show. But. Okay. I think there's, I think, because there are some really in depth questions that we just don't have time for tonight. But. There are a couple questions we can answer pretty quickly, and I got some fun ones here. Uh, this one is from at Andy McFlandy on Twitter, and Andy wants to know, and I'll throw this to Brandon first because Brandon hasn't had a chance to, to to talk much. What is the best video game uh, pet or animal friend? Oh, that is a good question. It's a fantastic question. Hmm. I want to hear what people in chat think too. Okay. Um, I'm gonna go with my childhood favorite, because obviously I don't really care about animals anymore now. I'm old and bitter. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> when, I, when I was a kid, it was soul. Squawks the parrot from Donkey Kong Country too. <laughs> Squawks the parrot. Now there's a fucking fact, name I haven't in, heard in, in a long seventh time. grade art class. I made a paper mache Squawks. Nice. That's so cool. Brandon, Jesus, that's wholesome. Oh yeah, that's wholesome as fuck, Brandon. Holy shit! When I was like twelve years old, yeah. Squawks the motherfucking parrot. I have not heard that name. In... <laughs> it's, God, it's one of the is it the, one of the same one in Donkey Kong? It's been eighteen long years. Like, 
then tells you yeah. some information and then leaves. I, I think love so. it. Yeah, <laughs> fucking squawks, annoying little bastard. Caitlin. He was he was much he was best in Donkey Kong too. Yeah. Was he in any other game other than Donkey Kong 2? I think he was in 3 as well. Was he? And then I think he was in Donkey Kong Country Returns, but like in like a cameo. He must, yeah, because I played I played that like just like a little over a year ago, actually, on 3DS. And I don't. He, he was most important in 2. Okay. All right. That makes sense. Squat, squat. Oh, he was a shopkeeper in Tropical Freeze. Yeah. Yeah. Like okay. he, had cameo, he had cameo roles. In okay. Right. Yeah. He's, yeah. He's, uh, he's a bit player. Uh, Caitlin. What is your favorite? Uh, what is your favorite uh, video game pet or animal friend? I like the dog from Dragon Age Origins. I never. I I only played like an hour of that. That's like my favorite. Well, okay. I think I finally come to terms with the fact that Battleship Brigade is like my favorite video game ever and like my true passion in life. But um, Dragon Age Origins is like was my favorite video game for a very long time, and I love that fucking dog so much. Could you pet the and dog? I- yes. Not yes. all the time, but sometimes. If you like talk to him at the camp, he would like roll over and be real cute, and you could like scratch his belly. Oh um, hell yes! He's also like optional; like you can miss him. So every friend I've had who I've tried to get to play that game, I like scream at them for the first three hours of the game to make sure that they get the dog, because <laughs> he dies otherwise. Oh no! Jesus Christ! Yeah. <laughs> if you don't get him, he dies. So that's awful. It's a, it's a sad That's terrible. Dragon Age Origins is just like, what if everything was bad? And you're what like, if... <laughs> So the dog, so hey, by the way, could, could you name the dog? Yes. What did you name your dog? I always what? named him either Baxter or Sir Barkington. Sir Barkington. Oh, fuck. Reb, where are you going? She lost it at Sir Barkington. I'm sorry. It's over. Reb, <laughs> Reb, did you hear the name? Did you hear the name of Caitlin's dog in Dragon Age Origins? No. Caitlin, please repeat that. Uh, his name is Sir Barkington. That's <laughs> so fucking good. Oh, Reb. No, I love it. I love Sir Barkington. That's good. Is that a cat? Yeah. That's Robo. Wow. It's Mr. Buttons. Finn. Yes. You had your hand up. What the fuck? Shut up. Uh, I, I, I have two, and I wanted to go before you because I didn't want you to steal it. Because one of them is Interceptor from Final Fantasy VI. That wasn't going to be mine. Okay. Well, I, I couldn't be sure. And the other I thought one, about it. The other one is more of a deep cut. It's a Missile the Dog from Ghost Trick, which is just one of the best dogs <laughs> in video games. Missile's I don't a even good boy. know what that game is. It's a Ghost great Trick DS game that nobody played. DS games that no one's ever played. Interesting. Okay. I actually thought of, I th- so so I guess I'll go next, right? Because it's it's a springboard from what Finn said, right? So so Finn said Interceptor, and I thought about that Finn. Like I was thinking about Interceptor, but honestly, like right now, and this may change later. But my favorite my favorite animal friend from any game is the fucking dog from Super Mario Odyssey, because I can throw my hat to him. He will catch <gasps> oh, it in his mouth, oh, and, and he'll run around in a whole in the most wholesome of circles. Oh. And, I am and admittedly look, disappointed they didn't use Poochie for that role. I am too. I am too. But but is a, he is a good dog though. I discovered that by accident when I just like I like threw my hat and he like caught it and wagged his little tail. I was like, <laughs> and I I may or may not have spent the next fifteen minutes, maybe twenty minutes, just throwing my hat to the dog and playing fetch over and over and over. It's so fucking good that is my favorite that that right now it used to be the dog from resident evil 4 
but now it's the dog from Resident from I almost said Resident Evil Mario. <laughs> Resident <laughs> Evil Mario. Now it's a dog from Super Mario Odyssey. Reb, what about you? So I'm normally a dog and cat person. I mean I've got whoop, I've got this thing right here. As you've got a cat on your yeah. lap. She's beautiful. Um, but uh, I'm really attached in uh, in World of Warcraft. Uh, the expansion I played the most probably was Warlords of Draenor. And it was actually a really boring expansion all in all. But I, I played it a lot because it was with the guild and I was raiding at the time. And there was this little bird um, that you would, we had these garrisons or whatever that we could like build up. And there was this little bird that lived in a tree in your garrison. His name was Pepe. He's this little orange bird. And you click on him and he would appear on your head. And he would sit on your head and you could, he would make little tweety noises. It was super cute. And there was an achievement where if you clicked on him and got Pepe, he would, he would disappear. He died. So you clicked on him, you got him on your head and you had to complete like every dungeon with Pepe on, you had to complete the last boss with him on your head. So you couldn't die throughout the whole dungeon. You had to have Pepe the whole time. And then you had to complete like a certain amount of raid bosses as well with him on your head. So it was really hard to do um, at the time. Now it's pretty easy because that content's really old. You can just solo it. Um, but the time was really difficult. And I did that at the time. And the reward was you got this item called the transdimensional bird whistle. And Hell it's yeah. an item where you click on it and Pepe appears on your head. And he just and you can call him at any time without going back to this old content. And they started adding little costumes for him in the game. And you could mm -hmm. find these costumes and pick them up. And then he would appear randomly dressed in one of these costumes. So there's like a scarecrow outfit and a scuba outfit and all these different outfits. And I still have that whistle. And I, I raid semi-regularly in World of Warcraft. And it's on my bar of required buffs. So before every raid, I give myself like my stat buffs and things. And I always put Pepe <laughs> on my head. Is that Pepe? That's oh, Pepe. never mind. Oh, no. Oh, never mind. That's an outlet. No, this is Pepe. Oh, that is Pepe. And he even has these little cute uh, feet clips. He's uh, got Pokemon. He's got these little cute feet clips, so I can technically. Oh, you and can actually. Reb, why have you not done this before on this he's podcast? Because I don't like to talk <laughs> about my weird ass World of Warcraft shit on It's this not podcast. weird. It's lovely. It's delightful. There's nothing weird about that. Yeah, this is honestly the most wholesome WoW content I've experienced. <laughs> I don't think Rip is even allowed to not be wholesome. Like, I mean, if we're like... having stuffed animals. Oh my god, everybody. <laughs> in, since John's doing that, in second place is definitely Poochie, specifically from Yoshi's Woolly World, because the yarn version is darling. I'm just going to get my cactar. Oh, that's not a pet. Whatever. It is a pet. <laughs> it's How something. dare you? How dare you? How dare you? John, it's a cactus. You're not supposed Holy to. Holy shit, look at Derek's dog. Derek has a literal dog over there. He has two literal dogs over there. <laughs> that. All right, Derek, get your ass back to the mic and tell us. All right. Um, I'm going to go with. Um, I'm going to go with probably. I'm torn between either Seif from Dark Souls or Rapide from Tales of Asperia, and they oh. fall into a very similar category of they're very good dogs, uh, and they hold sharp things in their mouths. Uh, and they both appear to be very, very grumpy, uh, but they are actually just very good dogs. Um, Rapide gets more time to actually be a character in Tales of Vesperia and gets to be like, oh, I'm a gruff, like, wolfy dog. And then you get to see that he's just a big, cute puppy. Um, Seif <laughs> is a boss fight and doesn't really count as much. But, um, Bark souls. But I'm clearly a dog <laughs> person, so. So, so Sif, Sif, Sif is a really good one. Um, yeah, but Rapide does that better, so. I was just going to say, I'm just saying, like, you yeah. know. But Sif is I a good dog. Like Sif, Sif, Sif brings the feels. Sif brings the feels because 
if you go back and you do the uh the city of Ulusiel, if you're DLC stupid first, and you do the DLC, which is super hard way before the much easier um Sif boss fight, then yeah, you get the cutscene where Sif remembers you from being so, in the past. So for any yeah, so for anybody in chat who's never played the, who's never played Dark Souls, um you find you go back in time in the DLC, and if you do it first, if you do it before the the actual Sif boss fight, you find Sif as a, a pup and and you and you know and you save her. If you then progress through the game and you get to the Sif boss fight, she will instead of like snarling at you and ready to fight, she will sniff you and whine and reluctantly fight you because she remembers you from having saved her. And I was like, I I, I did that once and I I, I let her kill me. <laughs> I couldn't do yeah, it. Yeah, fuck Dark Souls. That's actually. right. I couldn't do it. I was like, no, because as you're fighting Sif, when her health is almost gone, she starts limping around, and I'm like, no. No, Dark I can't. I, no, I, I can't. Dark Souls is amazing. Dark Souls is amazing, but I Sif is the one like heartstring tugging boss. I couldn't do that to Sif. Not my precious girl. I couldn't do it. I just I didn't have the heart. I let her kill me, and then I stopped that playthrough because it was too much. It was just too much. I think everybody's gone, right? Have we all talked about our favorite dog and pet, or our favorite pet, our favorite video game animal friend? I do believe so. I think everybody's. So so here's what we'll do. So of course, uh, tomorrow uh, we have our tomorrow we have our morning podcast, um, and so I think tomorrow morning uh, we will go um, we will go ahead and answer some of these uh, tougher to tackle questions, uh, some of these more involved questions. That'll be a good. We can fill an hour with that tomorrow morning. Um, and uh, I want to thank, so we had a, we, we had a lot of, we had a lot of good conversation tonight. I want to thank Caitlin, uh, for joining us tonight. Thank you so much, Caitlin. You're a um, goddamn delight. You're fucking oh, great. Thank you. Thank please you come for back. having me. It was super please, exciting. Please come back soon. Yeah, definitely. Whenever y'all want to have me, I'm down. Hell yeah. Hell yeah. Caitlin, why don't you remind everybody in chat where, where they can find you and your podcast? So you can find me, the person, at CG and 8Rs on Twitter. Um, and then you can find my website and the uh, we do two podcasts over there, um, Palling Around and Indie Mixtape. You can find both of those over at your Geeky Gal Pal. Um, and we're also doing a big charity stream on Saturday. So if you want to check that out, we're raising money for Trans Lifeline. Um, and you can drop by uh, twitch.tv slash your Geeky Gal Pal. It's going to be real fun. That is fucking outstanding. Um, and Caitlin does great work over there. And I highly recommend everybody go over to Twitter and follow her. And please uh, follow your geeky gal pal on Twitter and check out her content because you're doing great work. We Thank really you. appreciate you being here, Caitlin. Yeah, um, thank you for having me. And uh, oh, I promised a, a really cool announcement in chat uh, before we signed off here. So um, if you didn't see it on Twitter, I have uh, I have rounded up a group of former kind of funny games daily co-hosts. Uh, there's nine of us and future co future co-hosts as well. Uh, and we are going to be recording um, kind of a panel on our thoughts uh, about our experiences as small content creators uh, on Greg Miller's platform on kind of funny and how it, it has affected our channels uh, and our lives. Um, and it will have a, an intro video recorded by Greg himself. Uh, uh, he's aware of it. He is going to help us with it. Uh, and, uh, it will be on SDGC's channel. Uh, and we're really, really excited about it. Um, so it's going to be great. 
uh, I'm expecting the video from Greg any day now, and we are going to, he's going to introduce it. And then we will, we will go ahead and talk about our experiences on kind of funny. So very, very, uh, very excited about that. I'm seeing some funny shit in the chat right now. I'm trying not to laugh at it. Uh, but great podcast tonight. Thank you so much for everybody to, uh, for, to everybody for tuning in a little, a little too much bourbon tonight. Um, and, uh, don't forget we have our morning podcast tomorrow morning. And as always, it's not always poetry and we don't always agree, but we always keep it real. So please until next Thursday, everybody take care of each other and we will see you again very soon.